Welcome and thank you for being a listener of the Dose of Leadership podcast. Currently, we're expanding the conversations beyond just leadership into health, wealth, purpose, spirituality, relationships, and much, much more, because today's leader has to be about all of these areas to lead into the future. Hi, I'm Matt Lilly, and I'm the new host of the previous Dose of Leadership podcast, now called Bright Vibe. I've owned 20 businesses over the last 30 years, and I've studied business, wealth, health, strength, spirituality, you name it, I've studied it, and I've learned that you have to grow in all these areas to be the best well-rounded leader that you can be, not just at office, but also at home. We have an oppressive lineup of speakers coming soon, so please stay tuned to the podcast. Thank you for being a listener and part of our Dose of Leadership community, and now we welcome and are excited to have you be a part of our Bright Vibe podcast community. So Dr. Anita Sanchez, welcome to the show. So happy to have you on today. Thank you. I'm just excited to be here. Yes, you've got a super interesting perspective and a, and a very interesting background. And so you, you have a PhD. What's your PhD actually in then? It's in organization development, which is a combination of business and psychology. It's really looking at human, how human systems operate, how human beings operate yes. uh, individually and collectively. And then, and then you have a unique perspective that you're actually, you have a, a Mexican-American background and also a Native American background. Is that accurate? Yeah. Okay. Yes, that's so, accurate. So, yes, my tribe is, is Nahua, uh-huh. which most people know as Aztec, uh-huh. uh, and that's uh, so I'm that, but there's also two other tribes. I'm just going to name them. I have no stories about them, but my DNA, that good old 23andMe and other ones. Oh, that yeah. We can find out. Yeah. So I found out that I'm also um, part of, they can't tell me which tribe of an indigenous tribe in the Southern part of the U S in the uh-huh. desert. Yeah. But the one that rocked me was when they, the DNA showed I have a significant percent of that half of me that's indigenous that's from the Amazon. Oh, wow. And why it walked me is I have no stories about the Amazon, except that I've been going there and leading groups since 2007. Now, that tells you a lot yeah. of mystery, yeah. what's going on. So, that's, yeah. That's very cool. And now you mentioned stories. So, I had a, a Native American story in my family that went back. The, the, the story was that my dad told, and I don't know if he got that from his grandfather, but apparently, like, his great-grandfather had married a, a, um, a Native American woman, and, and back in the early, whenever it would have been, 40s or whatever, that a lot of Native Americans didn't go on the Indian rolls because it was almost like welfare or something. It was kind of shameful. If, uh, that was the story I was told anyway. And so my mm-hmm. grandpa had married this Native American woman, and so we were all supposed to have Native American blood. And then I do this 23andMe or one of these, and guess how much Native American blood I have? Literally zero. <laughs> I have no name. And, and so, and I won't, I'm, I, and I don't think my dad listens to the podcast, but I didn't want to break his heart. So I didn't tell him. So I am supposed to be like a 32nd or a 64th. It's all a lie. There's no, so that kind of tells you what family history does for you. It kind of makes yeah, up stories. No, yeah, it, it, that 23 me, that's where I love the bridging, the science and the cultural stories yes. because it was a nice blend. I don't know that any of them rule them totally out, but in that case, it, it gives Give some strong information that probably not. But I was going to say not to bring down the lightheartedness of it, yeah. but also a lot of as we're seeing happening now is all these children that they're finding their bodies near residential schools mm-hmm. that happened from the late 1800s right into 1960 mm-hmm. that they were outlawed in the 50s, but they went continued on. A lot of indigenous people who left the reservations denied that they were indigenous to hide so they didn't. So they're either way, but I'm, um, yeah, it's great stories though, isn't it? (laughs) Yes, it is. 
And so, so now you have a bestseller out, The Four Sacred Gifts, uh, Indigenous Wisdom for Modern Times, which is a very cool title. And, and what do you typically do uh, vocationally? So what do you do um, for work? Yes. Well, I, I'm a consultant, uh, a trainer. I've been for 46 years, and mostly my clients have been Fortune 500 companies, really large corporations. One I'm working with right now is over 300,000 employees. But a lot in tech and just a lot of different areas. Um, And I I bring to them um, uh, the different kinds of training of how to do, how to bring together hearts, diversity, Mm. inclusion, Mm -hmm. but also mergers and acquisitions, bringing cultures together so that they can become more effective, care about each other, and really rocket in terms of innovation and things. So mm-hmm. that's mainly what I do. But as I've all my life and doing this in the 46 years is that I have always woven indigenous wisdom into all these other certificates and degrees and things that I have, because I feel like a lot of that indigenous wisdom is really fundamental and helps connect things about us being human beings with some of the science seems so sterile and mechanistic rather than this life-giving, dynamic kind of beings that we are all, that all of us are in this, in this world. Hmm. And so, and so you, you, you're Native American, you're Mexican by, by birthright, right? Um, Mexican-American. What on earth made you want to go start working with corporations? <laughs> That's a good question. Okay, I'm going to say it's a dream. Okay. Right. As early as, so there's, here's my story coming. Okay. So as early as three and four, and it is true, I had this dream, and the dream was of the earth and all these sick people, and I drew it in kindergarten, mm-hmm. so we know it was truthful. Right. And I drew it, and I said, here, and when we got up and all of us told each other, the 24 kids, what we're going to be when we grow up, I said, I'm one of these, and there's lots of us, and we're connecting hearts all over the world, and all the children laugh, and the teacher said, put away your crayons, but as a five-year-old, what really happened to me is I realized, you know, as a five-year-old, I should have felt bad or, like, mm-hmm. ashamed or something. Instead, I was like, wow, I just knew that to be true. I didn't have the language that was going to be a right. consultant or a trainer, right, right. and that by 23, I would be in Singapore teaching and uh, consulting, Hewlett-Packard, AT&T, um, on and on, DuPont, Xerox, uh, just many different companies, health, health arena, big groups like United Health Group and mm-hmm. associations that are huge and all over the world. And that's what basically I'm doing. And so really what caused all this to happen, I believe, out of an indigenous perspective, is that some of us come in and we all have the ability to dream. And those are important. Those are really important. We keep making people... Have, asking people, inviting them to dream, especially in these challenging times. But that dream is a persistent one for me. And I can see even in the toughest times in working with helping a corporation through some of their challenges or helping them go from 25 billion to 29 billion. But it's not, the, it's not, they would say, some would say it's the money. However, it's human beings that are creating and moving through to become more whole and connecting with each other that allows the innovation and all the creativity so that they can make breakthroughs so that they can then, of course, support the families and all of them. And now I have to, I have to add this in there. You didn't quite ask it, but it is part of it. I think it's part of the dream, too, is that a couple of years ago, the, um, the business roundtable redefined the purpose of business in 2019. They've been talking about it for a long time. Mm -hmm. And what they redefined is really what business was always about before, but got shifted in the 1800s. 
the purpose of business corporations is to benefit the stakeholders, mm-hmm. not just the shareholder. Right. And so it's gotten so out of whack. And if you think about the stakeholders, shareholders, mm-hmm. you don't have to be scared. You're, they're still about profits. Good. It's not a bad thing, right? but it's about how do we ensure that there's uh, regenerative kind of processes that we're using that not only for us, but for future generations will be fine, that we'll have clean air to breathe, all the things that we have right to. Now it's saying that businesses have a, the joy and responsibility in being conscious members of this, what we call the hoop of life. Hmm. Uh, others would call the business world, the commerce world, or whatever you want to call it. But the reality is it's one world, and we all get to do our part to make sure it's a, it's a, a generative one. Right, right. And so, um, but pre-show, we were talking about, hang on just a second. You hearing that? Have you? Okay, so you think we're good? I'm talking to my producer real quick. We're good. Yeah. Okay. All right, we picked, I picked up a little bit of echo, so we'll splice that, this little spot out. Now we'll start again. So I'm curious, pre-show, we talked about um, some of the things you're hearing currently from you know, people as you, you work with people all the time. So as you work with people and organizations, but what, what is kind of, you know, kind of in this unique, I I think we're in some type of transition here, um, culturally and individually, culturally, spiritually, you know, in a lot of ways, I think we're in transition. So, um, what have you been hearing and then kind of what is your unique viewpoint or, or opinion take on what you're hearing and seeing? Yes. Well, what, what I'm hearing is from people is really, whether you're a corporate or a business leader, entrepreneurial of a small business, whether you're head of a family or in a community group, uh, a nonprofit, is it people looking at how do, how do I deal with this? This all these challenges happening in every realm from societal kinds of issues, race, um, gender, and then all the economic instability, violence, war, all these things that are happening, pandemic, health, and in every sector, the, 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 it's becoming transparent what both is working, but a lot of what that is not working. Mm-hmm. So how do I lead in the midst of all of this with a vision of, of something that's better? And the scary part is that vision of what could be better may require a real paradigm shift is what you were alluding to and mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's it's this individual, it's a collective, it's it's what as indigenous people we talk about, you know, when we talk about a whole human being or the whole hope of life, we're talking about everything from the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And that to to have that in harmony and balance is requiring to to not you have to be present to what what is happening, which is very painful for some more than others, but very much pain and shifting. Mm -hmm. And then also still have a vision so that the vision can pull us towards what does business look like? What does it mean to, to create at this time? And what are we creating? Is it just because we can create it, we're going to create it? Or is it because it is a life giving thing? That means it's going to be a benefit, not only to us, but can we say it's going to be benefit to the generations to come? And not just the generations of human beings, but is it good for the water? Mm. Is it good for the food that we eat out of the seas? All of that. Big questions are happening for people. Mm -hmm. And what is um, exciting is people are present enough. I'm not saying everyone. Some are trying to still put their head in the sand and said, no, it's really not happening. I just keep doing the same thing and hopefully make enough money and 
and you know go off with my little pool of money and I'll be fine. But we know that's not true. All these things and then uh, global warming, everything is, everyone is being impacted in some way on one or more of these arenas. So it is requiring a level of drawing on both internal wisdom as well as the collective wisdom of, of connecting with others and being able to move forward in conversation, in co-creation, um, not doing any kind of spiritual bypass, and also at the other end, not just spiraling downward in the misery of all the challenges. And that, as a human beings, means that we're alive at an amazing time because we get to bring it all. I'm sure our ancestors said that in their times, but right. this is one we right. haven't seen the kind of collective, especially on the environmental or health arena, of what we've created. Mm-hmm. And it appears most of what science says is we've created it, human beings. So the good news is if we created it, let's hope we can undo it. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, what can we do to undo this so that we become life-giving forces to each other and to the planet? Hmm. And th- so, yes, thank you for that. Um, if we talk specifically about native, because you're very involved, um, it sounds like, and from what I'm, I've been reading, you're very involved in the Native American groups, cultures, leadership groups, uh, conferences. And so I guess what are you hearing and seeing from that group? Because I, we haven't had that perspective on the show. Um, you know, we talk a lot about people and personal development and, you know, maybe finance or health or things, but we, I really haven't had anybody on the show that really talked from the Native American standpoint of what Native Americans are seeing and doing and and, and what processes potentially are there to help with that? Because as you said, some people have their heads down and then some people are consciously walking the path without the spiritual bypass or the staying in the muck. And so mm-hmm. kind of what, I guess, first, the first question is, the first part is, what are you hearing specifically or what are you, what, what are your, what are those, that, that, what are Native Americans indigenous. doing to, right, indigenous, mm-hmm. is that, okay, indigenous people kind of feeling, doing to help with that transition, and then what can people do individually? So that's kind of a two-part question. Right. right. Well, as indigenous people, there's 6% of the of the world population, 2% in the U.S., and so I can't speak for all of them, but I, will, I, I work with a number and our friends and colleagues, and we do ceremony together. Mm-hmm. We exchange what is happening um, with quite a few indigenous people from different parts of the world. And what we're seeing or understanding is this time um, we knew was coming. We knew we'd been in it and we knew that um, we have a special role to play. Mm -hmm. And that is to bring back harmony and balance. And so to do that requires us to not just, as the mainstream talks so much about, is um, something's wrong here, do something. Something's wrong, do something, do something. But the mainstream is starting to slow down and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. We used to say just... Do, doing anything is better than nothing. Well, we know that was a false assumption. <laughs> right. That's what caused a lot of this problem. And indigenous people all, always knew that. So we always talk about we are not human doings, we're human beings. And so as we're sharing our medicine, our knowledge, the, the, that, that's just foo-foo stuff. The fact that I'm even here talking on your show, when to most of the populations of indigenous people around the world, they... If we're here, we beat out genocide because it right. was really about taking us out. Right. And so what they forgot is that we're seeds. So, of course, we're still here. But we're meant to be here. But there's some knowledge of why we're here. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not a mistake that 80-plus percent of the most biodiverse lands left on this earth of all of ours 
are lands that indigenous people are on. Why? Because we have different kinds of training. It's not just about me. It's about we. And it's about we don't live or just take care of that. We're part of the earth. And so why would I damage this earth that provides me my food? Why would I say I do this all on my own and do this whole, you know, like kind of Tarzan, uh, aren't I so amazing? When I know nothing I do alone, even breathing, I look outside my windows and I'm in the foothills of Colorado and the mountains. Mm -hmm. And those trees are taking my carbon and giving me oxygen. So that might sound like a little thing, but breathing is an important thing or we'd be dead. And so now what's happening, uh, these leaders are starting to understand this, but the indigenous people have our knowledge of how to do regenerative agriculture, how regenerative economics have worked, how, I mean, on and on, mm -hmm. regenerative health. And that's not, I'm not trying to romanticize indigenous people. We have a lot of issues and problems, um, just like every group with suicide and yeah. poverty, and, you know, all sorts of things. So I'm not trying to, however, the basic knowledge of how to be in a life-giving relationship rather than an excavating, taking with the assumption that's an infinite amount rather than there's a sufficient amount for all of us and allow everything to rejuvenate itself, to regenerate itself. Mm -hmm. And that kind of knowledge now, we're sharing with each other. We talk about our medicine and every, and so I'm going to share this with you all because you, you won't hear this probably from somebody else. So ever since I was little, I was always taught that in every breath, every thought, every action, you have a choice. And probably a lot of us talk, we have a choice. But my choice for me is that we can be good medicine or bad medicine. And we weren't talking about pharmaceutical or what we're dealing with right now. Good medicine is anyone or anything that puts into alignment the spiritual, mental, emotional, physical. Bad medicine is anyone or anything that takes out of alignment the spiritual, mental, mm emotional and physical. Mm -hmm. And so what we're seeing with indigenous people is both at the individual and the collective communities is reinforcing what is that that is life-giving. So there's a remembering, uh, mm -hmm. That's and I want to make that clear, it's a remembering of what it means to be in right relationship with not only yourself, with your head and your heart and your body, the whole thing, but also with the other relatives that we have here. And I think those are the kind of fundamental questions that I know business is faced with. And again, like we said earlier, some are putting their head in the sands that go away. But if those same people putting that away, if you look in the last few years at polls, whether it's Harvard Business Review or McKinsey or Catalyst, whoever it is, over and over again, it was pre-pandemic, but it didn't only skyrocket then. What people are looking to are business leaders, leaders, whether you're a small business, whatever, they're looking to business to solve the challenges, the problems in the world. Oh my gosh, that's a new kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's like way old school, hundreds of years ago that people looked at it. That, that the fact that in these polls, it shows that the populace trusts business polls are around 57, 59%, depending whose poll it is trust business to solve these problems, expect a business to solve these problems, where only 50% will say religion and only 47% say government. Hmm. That's a huge weight. So I want to honor that weight that's on hmm. people, whether you're the leader in your family or a small business or a huge corporation, that's a weight. Hmm. And the, there's no one person who can carry that. 
if you come out of the mindset, if we're all separate and it's only about these silos, but if you come out of a mindset, wait a minute, we're part of the whole, and now the round table, business round table, sell us, look at all the stakeholders. What is it that is possible now? What is opening up now in the midst of all these challenges for us to be able to create, really create this world where, where we all can thrive, not only now, but future generations can have that as well. So it's it's an exciting time. Probably it's more than you want to hear, but yeah, indigenous people are talking about all of that. And I know people in the pictures and things see us, you know, with our headdress and our beautiful costumes, which is true, and they mm-hmm. are amazing. And our ceremonies are powerful, amazing. And we're also in conversation because we're in every walk, every part of what we call one world. Mm-hmm. They were never separate. And it's a good thing that we acknowledge that now because it's going to, we need to. It's time. <laughs> right. I was, well, thank you for that. I was, I was, it made me think of some, uh, I don't know if it was a meme or what it was that I was uh, looking at or heard about the other day. It was basically like, at, at, at what point is the world so screwed up that we have to identify things like organic and say basically means that we don't, aren't poisoning you. Right. So basically it's like, your your, your food, right. It's like, at what point have we gotten so far off the rails that we have to designate the, the, it's like, okay, here's the food that we poison and here's the food that we haven't, you get to choose, right? And then charge you more for it, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah, charge you more for it for the non-poisoned food. Yeah, we're taking the sugar out of this and we're going to charge you more for it. Well, that's the kind of like basic knowledge and wisdom that we're, that it needs to permeate us all, which actually is a paradigm shift from where we had become so m- much about mechanistic and separation and all those kinds of, not to get into a bunch of that language, but it's, it's just really stunning that it's about health and wholeness and that, right. that re- the big cure on all of this that people will go, oh gosh, why did she go there? But it really is a fundamental knowledge is that love and care of self and other. Mm-hmm. Love and care of self and other. Now, how we do that, given we've been in a paradigm for so long, which was like, no, it's survival of the fittest. I don't care about you. This is just, but wait a minute. Some of these companies are shutting down in places, and now all of a sudden they're caring about the water. Well, they happen to be uh, businesses who create different kinds of drinks for people. But if people look further, part of those companies they shut down is because the economy is so bad. Guess what? They ran out of fresh water there. So they just moved to another place. Or another group of people like, we love these avocados, right? There's a whole industry of avocados, but in an underground industry. And they go into different places. And again, it's the extraction of water. All of this stuff now with the internet, which I know bad people badmouth them, there's negative use of all this. But it's also a time where secrets can't stay secret very long. It's transparent. Your podcast, your ability to bring people and right. share whatever it is. And then every person gets the choice of sorting out what is real, what's not, or I'm going to go check on that data. And please do. If anything, I said, please go check on it because you're going to find a whole lot more. So, <laughs> and so, that's, and so that's now, great. Now, what were you saying about the avocado thing? I didn't catch, quite catch that. So what were you saying? Okay. Well, so avocados are, are, are it's growing in terms of the people's desire for it. It's very yes. healthy. Right. Good, good yeah, yeah. for good you, fast. right? right. Mm-hmm. All right. But they require a lot of water, mm-hmm. a lot of water, just like almonds, a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So what's happening is there's uh, industry leaders who move from country to country. We ran out of, we used up the land and the oh, water wow. there. Now we're it. So now we're going to be in, where would this be? I'm thinking about right now, New Zealand. 
Ah, right next to indigenous land, but they don't know better. Let me just take, you know, and there's a whole thing happening. So we all have to come awake Got it. because the reality is you could say, you could limit to, oh, it's just these few bad people who are mm-hmm. unconscious right now, too bad for them. And they're just, but the reality is we're talking about water for life, right? for all life and not allowing these wells to re- you know, regenerate themselves and understanding limits. So one of the big paradigm shifts I feel right now is that um, there's an infinite amount. No, you need to shave that, shift, shift that too. There's a sufficient amount for everyone. Everyone can have. But we are talking about a earth system that has its regenerative process too. And we've been acting as not. We're like, we're hierarchically more important so we can do whatever we want. That's the kind of conversations indigenous people are having with each other. That's the kind of conversations that some corporate leaders are inviting some of us to come in and speak with them or the United Nations saying it's so critical and the latest science report on the state of our biodiversity. I know that's the word that, basic, the state of the existence of life, of uh, our mm-hmm. future. Mm-hmm. And in that, for the last few years, every report says it is essential that indigenous leaders are part of this. They have knowledge. So even though some may be going skeptical, okay, she's got a PhD, and I know there are more of them and all that, <laughs> just realize that with all the siege that has been upon indigenous people around the world, and we're still here, that's not an accident. There's some fundamental basic things. And it may not be that we have three houses and two cars and all that, but there's some basic things that allowed us and our ancestors what they taught us that we can use in real time, continuing the evolution so that hopefully we can still be here. Because those same scientists tell us the earth will be fine. She will regenerate herself. It's whether we choose to make this shift mm. to be care and love for each other mm-hmm. and everything we create, businesses, et cetera, whatever we innovate and create. Mm-hmm. That's the question. Will we still be here? And indigenous peoples overwhelmingly answer coming from both their earthly existence and the spiritual uh, uh, ceremonies that we do is that we still have that choice but we better get busy. Mm-hmm. We better get busy. Yeah. And I think, and to your point, we all need to get busy, right? Everybody has to, yep. and when I say busy, yeah. everybody, I think yeah, has you know to what I become mean. more aware, right? We have to come yeah, aware. And then the actions that follow it rather than the doing, mm-hmm. the doing is a reflection of the inner being. So what we have to do is first take care of this, make sure we have it. Mm-hmm. And then as we do, we can see, Oh, this is a benefit, not only now, but we can see how benefit later. So if we don't actually do this intensive kind of agricultural process here now, we actually can give it 10 years when we did this other thing. Or like indigenous people, I'm about to go to the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that in the sacred headwaters of Amazon, these villages do, the ones that stayed small is they would build their houses and they'd be small villages, but they would walk even miles to get the same tree. And I remember going in years ago when I first went in in 2007 and say, why don't you, all the trees are right there. Why would you call them? They go, that would be stupid. All through translation, that would be dumb to do that because the trees have to, you know, they have to regrow. So we walk, we live here for a period of time and then we move. 
And then we come back. We cycle to about three or four places in our lifetime because then it's regenerated. The ground is regenerated and we come back. Now, we're not all able to do that, but there is some wisdom there that we know in the innovation, the technologies and stuff that is allowing us to do some green building, to do some things in terms of uh, water and and recycling of water uh, and care of it to begin with. And things that would make, uh, even we're talking about a transition period of, uh, carbon sequestration of, mm-hmm. of like we don't have to do as much damaging but indigenous people overall say if we just left it in the ground and do all the other knowledge we already have we wouldn't even have to worry about sequestration of, of carbon we could life seeks life mm-hmm. that's another paradigm shift and the scientists are on it whether they're biologists or quantum physicists uh, and i love that because it's like the indigenous people have always taught life seeks life Instead, what most of us was taught growing up is entropy. Everything's in the state of decay. Now, there's some truth to entropy, but it's actually the bigger the paradigm, that the big shift is that life does seek life. Mm-hmm. And we're in this two-legged have the ability to really put things out of whack. But that means we also have the ability to be part of the whole keeping it running in harmony and balance. That's what I'm that's the game on for me anyway, Matt. That I I'm, love it. I can tell that from you, from what you do and your excitement about what you do. Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate, I appreciate being able to come here and um, just have fun sharing what some of the indigenous wisdom that, um, that I've had privy to through my life and, and still in interactions with, from Africa, from Americas, all over Asia. Um, Yeah. And now, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just saying it's very cool that you've been able to connect with these cultures all over all over the world. I didn't realize that that um, I, I hadn't really thought about that. If you're part of an, one indigenous culture, you have the ability to connect with other indigenous cultures, and that I mean, it's it, that's a, you don't always. Well, I, I feel pri- I have a yeah. privilege, and that my work had allowed me right. not really realizing it when you know when the Hewlett Packard send me to Barcelona or they send me to. Bublagan or send right. me to Singapore. When I go there, I connect with whoever the indigenous people are there. Nice. And so that has allowed me to do that. Uh, and um, but more and more, part of our prophecies, prophecies are mm-hmm. um, are learnings and teachings that mm-hmm. some of them are thousands of years old, some of them are just hundreds. The book I wrote was one from just the nineties. But basically, in these prophecies, they told us that the time would come when all this, these kinds of things, challenges would be happening, and that we are to bring our medicine together, we're to bring our knowledge, and the knowledge is not only to other indigenous people, but it's the whole hoop of life, because the hoop is not complete without the red direction, the indigenous people. It's not complete without the yellow direction, the Asian people. It's not complete without the white direction, the European heritage people. It's not complete without the black direction, the people from Africa. So we also see the hoop is one, it's one world. And when we mess up on any part, then we have to give intention, attention, a care and love to bring that back in. And so that's a part of why the learning from each other and it's uh, visiting sacred sites and, and then in conversation with leaders, um, business leaders and government leaders, United Nations and people like that to, to really see how we're going to respond uh, to these challenges that we have. Mm-hmm. 
And then, so what? What over the? What's your hope or what's your vision for the next several years for you, you personally, but then your your work and then the people that you work with? Kind of what? Have, what are you working on currently? And it sounds like you're working on. You know, well, you've kind of shared that with us, but yeah. Ultimately, what's the next step or the next stage for for your work and what you're doing? Yeah. Well. I'm, I'm always honest. I don't have a poker face, so it's really hard. So, you know, there was a time a few years ago when I wrote that book, I thought, well, maybe I'm not supposed to be in business anymore. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm not supposed to be training, coaching and all mm-hmm. that. Maybe, maybe I get to go be with the indigenous people. Maybe I get to be on the land. Right. Maybe I get to, and every indication is no. And so uh, the thing to say is that, yes, I get to do all of it. I get to choose. But I am choosing now, again, like when I first started my career in my early 20s, I'm choosing to um, not abandon business, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. not have business, to defang business, as one of my friends say, because human beings create these, and it is for the benefit of community, both the local and because we know it's all connected, that means globally. So my 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 hope is is that my services, my um, my wisdom, and the wisdom of those I can bring along with me, will be of service at this time when we have these big challenges. And in that process, for me to continually to go back, a remembering of who I am and what I am, which takes me to staying in ceremony doing the dances and the songs, knowing how important community is so that I'm coming to my work in authentic from the being place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes like what I'll be doing in August. I'm so excited because during the pandemic, I wasn't able to go. But August 18th to 28th, uh, 17th to 28th, I'm going to return to the sacred headwaters of the Amazon and take a small group of people who feel called to be with several of the tribes there to learn what they can learn from nature, the importance of culture, and who they are and what they are. And we've taken business leaders in the past, and then they come back out, and it's changed some practices of theirs. Um, and it's reinforced some of the things they knew to be true. And so they go even with bigger heart and mind and hands and all of that. So that's really for me. And then one day, I'm getting kind of, um, I'll probably write another book. Mm-hmm. But right now, it's a little too busy for writing a book. <laughs> And so, do you take boats to the headwaters? I'm assuming. Do you get on boats and traverse? You have to. You do more than that. So you fly into Quito, Ecuador, and then we take buses through the volcanoes, getting you prepared in in ceremony with mm-hmm. the high people in Quichua and the Andes. Then we're on the edge. Then you take a little plane. You take some canoes. You do some walking. You take some more canoes, and you end up in these most fabulous places. That Matt, if you were to go, the first thing you you'll be with like others. They get out of the plane, the first part where they get in the first, mm-hmm. they get out. And a few minutes they go, what is that? What is that? And you just heard the group, only take 10 to 15 people. So it's not a big group. Right. And it's like, it's oxygen. Really? What? Yeah, I said, well, you, you don't want pure oxygen would kill a person. You can't right. pure. Yeah. But we are so not used to clean air that people's like, that little, that ache I had is gone. That's, that's like, Wow, the medicine, the magic of the forces. Yeah, the magic of the forces telling you is what it is like if human beings care for these beings that give us life, oxygen. Huh. And what happens when we don't, where people can't open their windows because the t- air is so toxic outside. 
They have to filter it. Right. So that's, um, that's just the beginning. So many great things happen there and discovery. And we take people as young as nine wow. and as old as 80 we've had on the journeys. And lots of them are leaders in their teams or their families. And they just want to understand what is this sacred headwaters and what what is my role in all of this and caring for myself and caring for all the stakeholders, all the the beings in this hoop of life. And um, and uh, I've never heard anybody, including myself, it draws me back after being there since 2007. Every year I go back. Huh. And so there's ceremonies. You're doing ceremony there. You're visiting yeah. with the people. You're kind of touring where they live. I mean, kind of what's the... Yeah, it's... Yeah, it's so it's not a vacation, right. although you're going to vacate your current reality. Um, <laughs> not quite touring. You really become part of the force. You become part of the people. And they share with you really quite open-heartedly their ceremonies, mm-hmm. their, um, their, their foods. We also bring in food because we probably wouldn't survive on what they eat. Is that right? Um, so all, yeah, I know we wouldn't because they, mostly they just drink this root uh, and um, we we so we bring in that so we it's not hard hard it's actually it's it's a five star for the middle of the jungle so <laughs> you but yeah you spend the time and you learn and they they show you different things and then people start clicking and have a ha like well if you can do that how would that relate to this and for people who've never been out of the Amazon they can actually talk to you about some possibilities. And the businesses are, how can they know that? Dream time. Hmm. Dream time. Because they dream. And all of us have the capacity. We all know that. What is about that dream you had? And then all of a sudden, you start doing things and it actually came true. Mm-hmm. That's magic, right? Or is that actually just a process of how one manifests? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, these are experts in that. So it's really, it's really um, you'll vacate your current reality and you will transform and deepen in your awareness of who you are, what you are. And often people come with the question is, what is mine to be and do at this time? Mm. And even nine-year-olds have come with that question, and people look, I'm like, they go, I know I'm young, and they've come out with, oh, my gosh, these folks are leading groups. It's just amazing. Huh. Well, very yeah. cool. And, and yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it's, it, you know, they say travel's good for the soul, but that type of travel's really good for the soul, right? That's yes. like soulful travel. You're going. It's a journey. It's a transformational journey that you consciously choose to go on. And, of course, people who go there are amazing people anyway. Right. And, you know, you find all different walks of people. And, but they're all there with big heart, wanting, curious, and wanting to, to understand in a deeper way about making their time here uh, the most meaningful and contributive one that they can. Hmm. Well, I love it. I love what you're doing. I love your work. Thank you so much for coming on today. How do people stay? Uh, how do people get involved or how do people stay in touch with you? Yes, they can go to foursacredgifts.com, F-O-U-R, sacredgifts.com. That's a real easy one. Mm-hmm. Um, my business one is a little harder, but if you go to foursacredgifts.com, it'll show you how to even get to my business, which is sanchez-tennis.com. But people generally get brand confusion because my partner and husband of 48 years um, name is tennis and I'm not into sportswear. <laughs> I love tennis. But I no, I can't play. Right. So anyway, foursacredgifts.com is the best way. I appreciate you passing that along. And sure. there you can learn about all different kinds of things I'm doing in the book. And there's some free things there, a song that I think you'll enjoy that's based on my book. And, and then there you can also find the kind of consulting training and, hmm. um, yeah, 
And you can find there too, if you're interested, this, I didn't think this would happen, but if you feel called, like, I just heard this woman talk about the Amazon, I think I'm supposed to go there. Just write me a message on forsakergifts.com and we can talk and see if that's, if you were meant to come. Uh, there's a few slots still open for August. Oh, and, and when is it? August when? 17th to 28th to in 28th. Ecuador. In Ecuador. The sacred headwaters. Interesting. Where the Amazon begins. Well, very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing, sharing with us today. We appreciate it. And as things evolve, in fact, you know, we'd love to hear about your trip when you come back from Ecuador. So maybe uh, in uh, September you could come back on the show and we would love to just talk to you about you know, if you have some pictures or something we could share, I don't know if they do that or not, but if you have pictures that they yeah. have, you have pictures you can share and talk about some of the stuff that you gleaned because you haven't been there in a couple of years. So it'll probably be like a, like a, oh, a reboot so. or a recharge. So yeah, we, we'd love to have you come back on in September yeah. and visit thank with you. us. So thank you so much for coming on. We, we really appreciate your time today. Yes. Best to all you and, and all the people who are part of your community. Thank you. Thank you for being a part of the Bright Vibe podcast. For more information, go to brightvibe.com. That's B-R-I-T-E, vibe, B-I-B-E.com. Thank you for listening.